Yeah, today I want to talk to you about um, identity. Typically, it's one of those things that we like to kind of uh, roll into our series and, and what we're talking about. And every once in a while, we like to revisit that, like, you know, just on a regular basis. I think it's, it's, it's a huge part of uh, when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, we, we like to talk about, it. you know, there's a triune God. We think about God in three persons, right? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. When it comes to the gospel, we can think about it in three ways as well of what Jesus did for us when he came and he, you know, died on the cross and rose again is, you know, he restored our relationship, he restored our identity, and he restored our destiny. And those are the three aspects. And I really want to kind of hone in today. We kind of set aside a, a, uh, one of our Sundays to really kind of dive into that and talk about that. But before we do that, um, this month, the month of February, is Black History Month. And so I wanted to just kind of bring up some things because there's so many things for us to celebrate about that. And uh, I just want to bring that up because I think it's really important because Black History Month is really our history, right? It's our, you know, we're, we're talking about people that have from our country and our, our background, right? And it, they're a part of us. It's not like it's an isolated thing. We're just celebrating the reality. I mean, this is kind of like a, typically a minority group and, in our country, and we're celebrating all that they have done and contributed because a lot of times that doesn't get celebrated. And I think it's a great opportunity to do that. So just, just be mindful of that. One of the people that I wanted to talk about, I think that is that we don't know a whole lot about, maybe, is a guy by the name of William Seymour. Anybody know the name of William Seymour? Yeah, William Seymour. He, uh, he was basically like the father of the Azusa Street Revival. And I think it's really, really interesting that God chose William Seymour to actually be a catalyst, right? I mean, it was, it was, it was an, a Holy Spirit activity that took place in Azusa in California, where, and it was actually the birthplace of what they call like the Pentecostal or charismatic movements, which all of us here in this room have been um, involved with, where, you know, this understanding of who Holy Spirit is and how he works and how he does things and the reality of his presence was really kind of a foreign thing or there was, uh, let's just say, there wasn't a, a lot of, uh, it was there. Obviously, obviously, Holy Spirit has been working for the longest of time. But, but because of some religious streams and different things like that, there was a loss of understanding about who he is and how he works. And it was with Azusa Street that a lot of that actually exploded. And William Seymour, who is this... Uh, gentleman he was actually raised catholic in a poor community of louisiana and um you know actually would be considered a nobody if you will right we know differently he's a somebody in the kingdom he's a huge person in the kingdom of god and um and obviously overcame a lot to the point of you know i think the key thing that we can learn from from william and from a lot of our friends in the african-american community is to not be defined by, our, by society, right, and what society would say about us or how others would treat us, but we're, deci- we're defined by our creator. We're defined by who he sa- what he says about us, and that's actually pivotal to what I want to talk about today. Uh, sorry, my computer went asleep. I got to keep it, keep it going. So turn with me to um, Ephesians chapter 1. I really want to kind of dive into Ephesians 1 and Ephesians 2 today. We're going to just kind of read some scripture. I, 
Um, and I want to kind of break down, this is just really this, this idea of identity and who Jesus says we are, and really grabbing hold of that, I think, is really significant for every person in this room. I would say that on a scale of 1 to 10, if 10 is we really are rooted and grounded in who we are in Christ, 1 being we have no clue, <laughs> we're probably somewhere in that, I would say every person is at least in the 5 to 6 maybe range. 6 is pretty good. I'd probably put myself in that 6 to 7. I would say in the last five years of my life, I have probably matured and I've grown from like maybe a three or four to like maybe a five or six. So I'm above 50%. You know, I want to push even further into that. So every day I wake up and I know who I am. And this is so important that I know you know who you are. And you need to fall in love with who you are. Seriously. And that's not, I'm not talking about pride. I'm talking about the reality of loving yourself for who God designed and made you to be. And, we, you know, like, it, let me just say it this way. If you have any inclination towards, man, I wish I was that person, then you don't, you're lacking in a revelation of who God designed and made you to be. Because there's no other you. There's no other John Richter. And honestly, we're, there, we're, this is not a place where reincarnation is an option, okay? So <laughs> you're not coming back as somebody else. You are who you are. You know, there's appointed ones for us to live, and then there's appointed ones for us to die, right? And we get to live this out, this life out fully in, in partnership with the Holy Spirit and by the power of his presence in us, right? So let's turn to Ephesians 1, 17 through 19, because I want us to grab hold of this concept. Really, Jesus came, and he, like, just turned everything upside down, right? And then the apostles go out, Paul being one of them, right? He writes a lot of them. The New Testament. If you look at the New Testament, a lot of what the New Testament is is about expanding on what Jesus did. Right? He's expanding on what Jesus did for us and talking about the nooks and crannies of the gospel, of the kingdom of God, really. Right? And he's expanding on that and he's expanding on the relationship and he's expanding on the identity, he's expanding on the destiny aspect of the gospel. And so a lot of this is just like trying to get it into us. <laughs> he, he says th- a lot of things that's over and over again. He's just repeating himself because he's really trying to get us rooted and grounded in who we are in Jesus Christ as born-again believers and followers of him. And so in Ephesians 1, he prays this prayer. I'm going to go to 17 and 19. I would encourage you, read this. Um, Parker shared about, was it, it was Ephesians 3, right? Yeah. And so we're going Ephesians 1 and 2. To just I wanted to kind of piggyback off of what uh, Parker recently did. And um, so I'm going to read this to you in Ephesians, oh, yeah, in Ephesians 1, excuse me. This is what he prays for the Ephesians, and I believe this is a great prayer. I actually have this memorized, and this is a lot of times what I pray for you guys or for my friends, or for my my family members, or whoever it is, I love to pray this prayer right here. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation into the knowledge of him. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation into, into the knowledge of him. That the eyes of your understanding, we talk about our worldview, this is exactly what he's talking about. The eyes of our understanding, how we see God, how we see ourselves, and how we see the world around us. That's the eyes of our understanding. That the eyes of our understanding would be flooded with light. 
that you may know, these are the thing, three things that he wants you to know, that you may know the hope of his calling, the riches of his inheritance in the saints, and his great power towards us who believe. What Paul is basically praying is this, I want you to be full in, in terms of your full understanding of who you are, right? That you, the eyes of your understanding would be flooded with light in, into the, the reality of who God is, his love for us, the relationship that we have with him, with him, the identity that we have in him, and the authority and the destiny that we, we, are, we have the calling to live that out. That's Paul's prayer. And I believe that's a prayer for every person in this room. And I want to just kind of expand on this because this is really, really important. I, I did a couple diagrams here for us to really understand this because I, I believe this is where we're at. And, I'll, and this kind of is something, it's, it's throughout the church. Do we have another slide on that? Do I have the, the diagrams in there? Eli? There we go. All right, thank you. You like that? That's a pretty good sketch, right? <laughs> We're the stick people. So this is you. This is you and I. We're here. And for a lot of us in the church, okay, when it comes to faith, it's easy enough for us to believe and have a revelation, right? That's the first arrow here is that revelation of, of God's goodness and his mercy. And this is enlightening. I'm not saying, I'm not, I don't want to deemphasize this. This is awesome. For us, our eyes are open. The eyes of our understanding, uh, 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 excuse me, the eyes of our understanding are flooded with light with respect to the, the the goodness of God and the mercy of God and the love, the 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 love that He has lavished on us. Like right, a lot of us, and this is people in the world who don't know God are, are believing He's a judgmental God. He's distant. He's far away. Right. But a lot of us in this room, we have that's where that's where we're at. Is we believe this, right? We believe this, and we call this faith when we get to know the reality of who God is and his goodness and his kindness towards us, right? You can go to the next. But where we lack, honestly, and where we struggle is we struggle. We believe in God and who he is, but we struggle to believe in who he designed and made us to be. We struggle to believe in us, yet he believes in us because he called us. And he predestined us and he purposed us. And so, and he put his faith in us as his church, as his body, to bring forth his kingdom. He doesn't have a, another plan. Like, this is the plan. You and I, we're the plan. Hear me out. We are the plan. We are his plan to bring forth his kingdom, to bring forth his power, to restore, right, to bring heaven to earth. That's the plan. But a lot of us, we fail to execute that plan because we get stuck here. This revelation, we don't sit in, the, in and this is why meditation, and this is why, like, Lectio, right? Um, Kathy and Wally are going to be doing Lectio in, in, in our small group study, and highly recommend that because as we meditate on the Word, as we get the Word inside of us, this is, what, this is life changing for every person in this room. Because a, a lot of us, it's easy to believe in a good God, but we can't believe in a good us or that we have purpose and significance. And we struggle in this, and we have wrong ways of thinking about ourselves, and we think we're trash, or we think we're, when we hear, hey, we're sinners saved by grace, we believe we're still sinners. When the Bible calls us saints, 
We are his chosen people, set aside for his purpose. And so we struggle with believing in ourselves. I, I had an interesting experience, an encounter with God, and it was one of the most powerful encounters, and I could go on and on, but I love the, I love the word, but I also love when we get to encounter him. And I had an incredible encounter, this personal encounter, all by myself, and I'm meditating on the scriptures. And in the midst of it, this is what Holy Spirit whispered to me. He said, you believe in me, but you don't understand that I believe in you. He said that to me, and I was just like, when he said, I believe in you, I just wept so hard. There was something that was stuck inside of me that I didn't believe in myself. I thought I was trash. I could believe that God loved me, right? I could believe in his goodness, but I was struggling to believe in who I was and who he called me to be. And this, both of these are faith. Don't be deceived. This isn't pride. This is faith. Believing in who God called you to be is a part of what real faith is all about. And when we do take hold of our destiny, or excuse me, we take hold of our identity and who we are, and we allow Holy Spirit to come and to speak over us through his word, through other people around us, whatever it is, because the Holy Spirit wants to convict us of our righteousness. That's actually his purpose, is to convict us. He's your biggest fan. He's your biggest cheerleader. We think Holy Spirit's there to tell us everything that we're doing wrong. That's called the accuser. <laughs> Holy Spirit is here to convict us of our righteousness. He wants us to take hold of that. And so when we allow that to happen, that goes to the next slide, which allows us then to do the good works. We were made for good works. So as we get a hold of the reality of who we are, then, we're, then we can live out our destiny and our calling in him. Does that make sense to you? And like I said, we're all good with the yellow arrow. We're struggling on the green arrow. And what I want to do is I want to move that for us today. I want you to get really a, a hold of the reality of who you are. We should not lack confidence. Like, confidence is a principle. Like, confidence and faith. Like, just, just, you know what it is. If you lack confidence in your job, are you going to perform well? No. If you lack confidence when you're playing a sport, are you going to perform well? No. I guarantee when Parker walked up to hit that tee shot, and if he was shaking and nervous and like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mess this up, I, that ball is going this way, that ball is going that way. But if he's walking up, he's like, I got this. Right? Boom. Right, right down the middle. We all, you've experienced this in your life, the power of confidence. And it flow. it's like a principle, right? Because the principle that God has, has predestined into the earth is this, the power of faith. And when you believe in who God designed you to be, then you can actually do the things that he called you to do. And that's, it's, a, it's a very important principle. In my personal life, like I was just saying to you, this is the switch that unlocked me to begin to walk out my destiny. I can just tell you that as a personal testimony, and I believed all this, I was there, I believed everything that I read in the Bible, but it wasn't until I got a hold of the reality that, of who God designed and made me to be, and that he, the reality that he longs to work through me to touch other people, 
and that I'm actually good at that? And whether I feel it or not, that's what he designed me to do? That's when things started to explode in my life. And I'm still pressing into that. I'm not saying I'm perfect in that, and I'm seeing all the things that God wants me to see, but, but it was when I really got a hold of who I am and I began to walk in, in confidence in John Richter, confidence that the presence of God is with me everywhere I go. Like I'm, I'm in a, like a, like a, a hemisphere here. I'm, I'm, I'm walking presence of God. You're a walking presence of God. Like when people come near you, they just, they feel something. And it's not you, it's the God in you. They feel something. I just, I just like to be with you. I like to be around you. It's the presence of God. It travels with me everywhere I go, every room I walk into. There's light. What does light do when, when you walk into a dark place? Can darkness fight the light and stop it? Like if you flip that switch, is, is there like a hesitation and it stays dark for a time and then all of a sudden, whoop, then the light? No, it's instantaneous. It, dispat, it, it disperses the darkness immediately, right? That's who you are. You are the light of the world. Everywhere you go. And the, what the, the, see, the enemy is so ticked that you, that you gave your heart. He's ticked about the yellow, but he's, his next level is not to let you get in full, the fullness of the green. It's to doubt yourself. It's to doubt everything. He doesn't want you to walk in confidence. He doesn't want you to walk with an attitude and like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, some of us are walking around like afraid of the devil. Like, what the heck are we doing? Like, I mean, I mean, we were designed to disperse and to, to, to displace evil. So turn with me to Ephesians 2, because I want to kind of dive into this. This is the understanding, and this is kind of the foundation, kind of a simple diagram. In Ephesians 2, because Paul's going to continue on this, and this is where he kind of really dives into this. And I want to talk about this and kind of set some groundwork of the identity aspect of the gospel of the kingdom. It says in verse 1, and you were dead in the tra- and you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived we all once lived that way right in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and the mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind now, I mean, so many times we think about sin. I just want to say this about the gospel. This is one of the things. So when you look at the word sin in the Greek, it's basically like this concept of missing the mark, right? And we think about that in terms of our actions. But we don't think about that in terms of our identity. Our identity was stained when sin came into our lives. Our identity was lost. Our purpose, all of that was lost. So like, what do you do with that, right? A lot of times we think about, okay, we need forgiveness of sin, yes, but there was forgiveness of sin in the Old Testament and the, under the Old Covenant, right? 
Now, I, I, I mean, I don't even want to compare the old covenant forgiveness versus the new covenant because, I mean, the, the beauty of Jesus and the Lamb dying for us in full, like, complete forgiveness is amazing. It's, it's, you can't even put a number on how much greater it is than the old covenant forgiveness. But, I mean, but my point is this, is this is not just about forgiveness. There was a fundamental issue that had to be addressed, and that is that we lost our identity when sin came into our lives, our identity was lost, and it was stained, and it was actually ruined, because that's what being born again, that's why he said no one can enter into the kingdom of heaven unless you're born again, and this is what Ezekiel talked about. He says, I will give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new, you're going to become a new a creation, the old is gone, the new has come. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, that's what takes place, is we become new people. And our motives and, and our thinking and everything gets immediately transformed. The body is the same, but the inside is completely transformed. And we become new creations. And this was absolutely necessary for us to walk out our full identity in who we are in Jesus. So let's continue. But God, but God, I love that phrase. But God. <laughs> but God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us. Just let that just sink in. Just, re just wake up and read this scripture like a hundred times in a row. Like, but God, who is rich in mercy, and because of his great love with which he loved us, because of his great love with which he loved us. Because of, because of all the outstanding things we've done? Absolutely not. Just because he loved us. Just because he created us. Even when we were dead in our trespasses. Listen to that phrase, right? That's what sin is, is we were dead. We were dead. We weren't even alive. We were dead in our trespasses. trespasses made us alive together with Christ. When we put our faith and trust in Jesus, when we said yes, when we crossed that line, when we stepped across that line and said, Jesus, I believe in who you are, that you died on the cross for my sin so that I could become a new creation, that you were raised again to new life, that you were seated at the right hand of the Father. When I said yes to that, I was born again. I, I, I was made alive together with Christ. It says, by grace you have been saved and raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Let me read that again. And he raised us up with him. So we were raised with Christ. We died with Christ. We were raised with Christ and seated with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. We are seated. Spiritually, we are seated with Christ. Like, what the heck? Yeah. Hallelujah. What does that mean? So what, when we think of the seat, what is it? It's the throne. That Jesus is king. He is Lord. It is his throne. And we're seated with him on that throne. So what does that mean? He has all the authority. We have the authority with him. We have the victory with him. We're a walking victory everywhere we go. And some of you, like right now, are just like struggling. I just bind out in unbelief because that's the reality. 
The problem is, is that we're, there's this battle going on, and the fact that we don't even believe this scripture is the problem. The, the fact that we don't even have confidence. You want to see heaven break out into your world? Believe that scripture right there. When you walk into a place and someone's sick, that's the scripture that you rest on, that you rely on. Or if someone is in need and, and they're asking you to pray with them, this is, what you, this is where you're praying from because you're seated with him in heavenly places. He's with us everywhere we go. He's in us. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but he's with us. And we are seated, right, with him in heavenly places. We have the authority to displace the darkness so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of your good works. I kind of added good in there, but you know, it's not a result of, you know, Seth, it wasn't because you were such a great guy, which you are, right? It has nothing to do with that. It's just it's by the pure fact that he loved us. So that, no, so that this is, is significant so none of us can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You are his workmanship. He made you. He designed you. He created you. Let's quit questioning his, his creativity and go, thank you, Jesus, for what you, who you made me to be. Paul said, I, re- I boast in my weaknesses. He, I mean, he, he quit like trying to cover them up and hide them. <laughs> and he was like, hey, this is who I am, right? God made me. Now let's go. Get comfortable in your own skin and who God designed you and made you to be. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You know, this mission trip to Oxford, what an op- awesome opportunity. It's about like creating a life rhythm of sacrifice. It's create a life rhythm of, hey, I'm not here just to, for my good pleasure. I'm here to serve. I'm here to love. I'm here to extend, right, to bring heaven to earth. This is just a great opportunity to step into that and to get us kind of like, we get into little, hey, I do this, I do this, I do this, I do this, right? And we get our own little world and way of thinking, and we lose sight on what God has really called us to do. And so this is there for us to actually come together and to love on our community together, which is where we're called. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we could walk in them. For through him we have both access in one spirit to the Father. Through him, through Jesus Christ, through our faith in Jesus Christ, we have access in one spirit to the Father. We have access to the Father. Perfect access to the Father. Perfect access. Immediate access. Come on. To the Father. I didn't make this up. I, I, okay, I mean, I, I did. This is, <laughs> this is what the Bible says, right? We have perfect access. Are you walking and living like you have perfect access to the Father? You are his happy thought. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. There's no love me not. It's he loves you. He loves you. He's always loved you. He's loved you from the foundation of the world. 
This is the love that we live in. We need to get excited about this. Like, oh my gosh, God is with me right now. I'm walking into this room, and we're going to go out of this church, and everyone thinks that the church is where I, I experience God. But listen, he is with you. You have perfect access to the Father. By the power of the Holy Spirit, the problem is, is right here. It's how we think. We don't experience it because we don't believe it. When we start changing our perspective, when our worldview gets adjusted and we start lining up our thoughts according to what he says, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers. Listen to this. You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with saints and members of the household of God. We are children of God, his citizens, his ambassadors, Right? Corinthians calls us ambassadors of Christ. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I'm a dwelling place. Just say that. Say, I am a dwelling place of the Spirit of God. I am a dwelling place of the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God lives in me. I ask myself that, that question a lot. Do, if, can I say that the Spirit of God does not dwell in me? I can't say that. I would be lying to you. And I ask myself that question sometimes. It's like, no, he's here. He's chosen to live inside of me. He's chosen to live in this room right now. His presence is all around us. And he wants to break in and break forth. We're going to do some ministry time here. I've got a few minutes. But I want to give you a quick opportunity. All right? We've made a commitment to share the gospel and to talk the gospel. And I don't know if... If everyone here has, has, I just want to give you an opportunity to step across that line, right? To step across that line and say yes to Jesus. It's, it's, the, it's the most important thing that you could ever do in your life is to say, yes, Jesus, I want to live for you. I want to live. I want to die for you. I want to lay it all down for you. I'm tired of living in my own strength. I'm tired of living in my own power. I'm tired of trying to live this life on, the, on my own. And I want you. I believe that you died on the cross for me. I believe that you were raised on the third day and that you're seated at the right hand of the Father, that you are Lord. The Bible says if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart, that God raised him from the dead, we'll, we'll be saved. So let's just shut our eyes, and then I want to do a quick ministry, and we're going to do, yeah, you can come on up. Yeah. If you want to make that commitment, if, if that's something, all you got to do is shoot your hand up in the air, okay? All of our eyes are closed. If you want to just make that confession, if you just want to cross that line and say, you know what, I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. If you've never done that before and you want to do that, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So just shoot your hand up in the air if that's you.
no pressure. This isn't about like pressuring people. I just want to give opportunity. We're just trying to create space for people to have something in their lives that just says, you know what, I can remember when I made that commitment to Jesus Christ and I confessed my, to, to, to a community that I believe. So yeah, just put your hand up in here. Maybe that's somebody that's online. And all you got to do is just, you can just do what I'm just saying. Put your hand up in the air and then you pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I'm tired of living in my own strength and own power and I want you to be the Lord of my life. I believe that you died on the cross for me. That you rose again for me. That you're seated at the right hand of the Father. That you are Lord of all. That's the confession of faith. That's what moves mountains.